0: Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, it's good to see you. I want to welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream Service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. It's good to be back. Uh, Chris and I, we had a great vacation, and it's always good to be back home in your own bed. And, and of course, we're excited to be here uh, at church today. We're kicking off a uh, new series, and it's a series that we've probably needed to do for a very long time. And uh, for the next five weeks, we're just going to have a very simple conversation, because the reality is this is a very simple issue, uh, but it's insane to me how badly we've complicated this, all right? So we're going to talk about how we treat one another and how we love one another for the next five weeks, and and the reason that we're doing this uh, is because, one, the, the church hasn't done a good job at the literal most important commandment of Scripture, number one, and number two, this is what the world needs right now, all right? It's a core concept of scripture. It's something that's absolutely foundational and fundamental to the Christian life, that God is love, that he defines love, and that he commands us to love. But it's one of the things that we struggle with the most, right? We get distracted by all of the other things in our lives, and we forget that we're supposed to love people. And I really believe that if we just spend our time loving God and loving one another, that things would work out, right? But sin has worked its way into the equation, and it's pulled us away and redirected us away from this very basic commandment. So I want to spend the next several weeks bringing us back to the simplicity of loving God and loving people. And my prayer for us through this series is that we will find that our lives can truly demonstrate the love of God to the world around us, all right? By the end of this series, we should be loving one another. By the end of this series, we should be loving the people around us. And if you're not, then there's a bigger problem, all right? So when I think about life, I think about the amount of time that we spend trying to prove ourselves, right? It starts when we're kids. It works its way into our teenage years where we're setting out to prove that we're good enough. We're setting out to prove that we're smart enough. And then when we become adults, we continue in this path. We continue trying to prove ourselves. Right? We're setting out to, to prove that we can achieve. We're setting out to prove that we can be successful. And we end up sort of playing this game where we wager our lives and our accomplishments against the accomplishments of, of other people. And I even see this among pastors. You know, we're constantly competing to see who's the busiest, who's working the hardest, who's making the biggest impact. We're trying to prove ourselves, all right? Now, I don't think that us trying to prove ourselves is actually the problem here. The problem here is we're trying to prove the wrong thing. All right? In John chapter 13, Jesus challenged his followers to prove themselves. He challenged his followers to prove who they were. But he did this in a way that's very different than what we typically default to. All right? John chapter 13 was written on the the last night of Jesus's life. And John had written a few chapters here about the conversations that took place between the upper room to the garden, to the arrest, to the crucifixion. And he spent these chapters summarizing the final moments of the life of Jesus, right? And we see beautiful things happening in these moments. He spent time teaching his disciples. He sat in the garden and and knelt and prayed to God. Jesus knew what was about to happen, all right? He knew that he would be going from the garden, praying, spending time with the father to being nailed to a cross just a few hours later. So what we're reading in John chapter 13 takes place really less than 24 hours before the death of Jesus. It's his final night with the disciples and he spends it teaching them some things that are vitally important. They celebrate the the Passover together, and then Jesus does this really weird thing. He washes their feet like a servant, right? And while he's doing that, the disciples are trying to prove themselves. They're arguing about which one is going to take over the group if Jesus really is going to leave, right? They're trying to prove which one is the holiest, and Jesus is just loving them and washing their feet, right? And just a few moments after Jesus washes the disciples' feet, Judas gets up and leaves, and he goes to betray Jesus, which is a sermon in and of itself, right? Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, but he washed his feet anyway. And that's a great picture of the point that Jesus is trying to make in John chapter 13. He's loving and washing the feet of the very man that's going to betray him, right? So we come to the end of of this final night, in the end of John chapter 13, and Jesus Begins to teach his disciples some final things. Let's take a look in verse 31. It says, When Judas had left, remember, he's going to betray Jesus. Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. He says, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I am going, you cannot come. Then he says this, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I don't know about you, but I've heard this passage preached a dozen times, and I've read this passage and its context in about 50 commentaries this week. And in about half of those sermons and half of those commentaries, I've found what I think is a little bit of misinterpretation about this verse, all right? And here's what it is. I've heard a lot of people say, well, Jesus was just telling his disciples to love each other within their group, right? Some people think Jesus was just telling them to love the other disciples, and I respectfully, I think they're wrong. I think they're leaving out all of the other things that Jesus taught, like love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? Here's my opinion, when people say, when Jesus said love one another, he was really just telling the disciples to love each other, what I think they're doing is making it easier for them to obey. That's truly what I think. They're saying, yeah, I'll I'll love the people that are easy for me to love, right? I'll love the people that believe what I believe. I'll love the people who think what I think. I'll love the people who vote how I vote. We can get along, but I'm not so sure about everyone else because Jesus wasn't really including them. You're wrong. How do I know? Because moments ago, Jesus washed the feet of the man that was on his way to betray him, all right? Judas ate the meal, just like everyone else, all right? Time and time again, Jesus taught and proved and displayed with his life that we should love our enemies, right? He loved everyone he came in contact with. He loved people who didn't believe in him. He loved the people who rejected him. He loved the people who pushed him away. He constantly taught us how to love people. So I want us to understand right off the bat that Jesus isn't just giving us this advice and saying you should try your best to be loving. All right. It's not about us trying our best to be loving. It's bigger than that. Love itself is the core commandment of the Christian faith. Notice what Jesus said. He said, I give you a new command, love one another. Now, why is this a new command? Have you ever thought about that? Well if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find a list of, of literally hundreds of commands. All right. And we think of the ten commandments, but that's really just scratching the surface. There are all kinds of other commandments. On top of the Old Testament, the Jewish people also had an oral tradition and they had ancient documents that included more commandments. So not only did they have the law, they had the prophets, they had all these extra writings, and then they came up with a simplified list that would help them to live out the rules. So they had hundreds, if not thousands of rules that they had to follow. And on top of that, Jesus was teaching a group of people who lived during a time when everyone was trying to prove themselves. They were trying to prove that they're the holiest. They were trying to prove that they're the most religious. They're trying to prove, look at me, I'm living out the law, all right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they spent all their time trying to prove themselves. They treated their religion like a to-do list, and I think we often treat our faith the same way. We treat it like a list of do's and don'ts. We think if I do the right thing, then I'll prove that I really love God. So I'll be faithful in my walk with Christ. I'll read my Bible every day. I'll pray every day. I'll go to church every week, just checking off the boxes, checking off the list. But treating our faith that way puts us on a dangerous path, all right? So Jesus comes along and he says, I'm giving you a new command. He says, this is one we haven't talked about before. All right? Now, I don't necessarily think that the Old Testament law was incomplete. I just think that we missed the point. We viewed it as a pathway to pleasing God and earning his favor, when instead we should have viewed it as the result of a life that is lived following God. Does that make sense? And he condensed it down to a single great commandment passage in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, this is the greatest and most important command. And here he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't miss this. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. All right? In other words, if you wake up every day and you love God, and you love people, you're not going to break the rest of the law. It all boils down to these two things, loving God and loving people. Jesus said, I give you a new command. This is what life is all about, all right? So we're going to take something that is extremely simple and simplify it today, all right? I want us to understand what this really means. I want us to understand that if we really believe and understand what love is, if we really make love our ultimate pursuit, if we really love God and love people, then everything else about our faith is gonna work out and we're gonna grow and we're gonna become more like Jesus and we're gonna understand God's will for our lives and we're gonna make an impact on the world around us for the kingdom. If we dedicate ourselves to this one core concept called love, I believe it's gonna make a dramatic difference in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Okay, now I don't know about you, but this is hard for me, all right? And that's why we're doing it. I don't necessarily think that I'm a hateful person by any means, but I definitely recognize that I could do a better job at this. I'm starting to realize more and more how easily distracted I am from the task of loving God and loving people. It's easy to get busy doing everything else, right? It's easy to focus on the things that don't have anything to do with love. It's easy to just kind of survive, right? We get busy doing all these things that we forget what it's all really about, and that's loving God and loving people. It all ultimately boils down to my relationship with God and my relationship with others. And that's according to Jesus, Loving him and loving others is what life is all about. So the prayer that I want to encourage us to pray every day for the next five weeks is simply this. God, help me to be more loving, all right? We need to pray that prayer. Today, we're just gonna start by laying the foundation. I wanna give you two very simple things that you need to believe. And until we believe and understand these two very simple things, we can't move on into the rest of this. All right? We're going to build everything else on top of these two big foundational truths. And the first one is this that you are loved. All right? You were loved. Let me prove it to you. John 3 16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's the most popular, well-known verse in all of Scripture. Chances are you have it memorized. But do you fully understand the weight of what it means? I know I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I know I've made some misjudgments. I've messed up relationships. I've done my fair share of stumbling. I've walked through some pain but I can stand here today and say that I feel God's love more today than I ever have before. The reality is there are people who attend church every Sunday singing that song, How He Loves, hearing repeatedly that God loves them, but they walk out of the church believing that they're completely unlovable. I don't think we'll ever be ready to love people until we truly understand just how much God loves us. All right. So I want to spend the next few minutes convincing you of this. All right, I want you to leave here today more sure of this than ever before. Let's take another look at verse 34. Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another. He says, just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. notice what he said, just as I have loved you. Just as means equal to the same as. In other words, what you see on one side of the equation is the same thing that you're going to see on the other side of the equation. Jesus is understanding, saying, when you understand how much I love you, you will then understand how much I want you to love one another. So in order for us to love one another well, We have to understand just how much Jesus loves us. And the Bible is full of verses that explain this for us. Here's one, 1 John chapter four, verse nine. It says, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love, all right? In other words, if you don't think you have the capacity to love other people, it's evidence that you haven't fully experienced the kind of love that God has for you. Now, when the Bible says God is love, I don't think it simply means that God gets to define what love is. Does he? Yes, but it's bigger than that. It's not just that he's in charge and that he gets to make the decision about what love's going to look like. The Bible is saying that love is his very essence. His being, his nature is love. So when you begin to understand his character, then you can really begin to understand what love is like, all right? So whatever we call love needs to line up with who God is. In other words, it's not just a human feeling. It's not just an emotion. We think that love has more to do with infatuation or the warm fuzzies that we get, but that's not a very biblical picture of what love really is. And I'm not necessarily saying that there's anything wrong with that. Falling in love with someone is great, but it's not God is love kind of love. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when the Bible says that God is love, we're talking about who God is at his very essence. He loves his creation. So, if you're sitting here today, it's true for you that God created you and He loves you. He designed you, He molded you, He shaped you, He crafted you, He made you uniquely you. Even the things that you don't love about yourself, God loves them. All right? He created you with traits and characteristics that make you different than anyone else on the planet. He loves you for you. He is love. He'll never stop loving. He'll never give up on his love because it's who he is. All right, does that make sense? So he defines love because it's who he is. We need to understand that. So when you begin to question God's love, when you begin to doubt God's love, when you begin to wonder, does God really love me? You need to remind yourself that God is love, all right? Here's another example, just a few verses down the page. 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us, all right? In other words, God gives us the ability to love. He is the source of love. He's the author of love. He's the originator of love. He gives us the ability to love one another because he loves us first, all right? Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God proves, everybody say proves, God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now this relates to the passage that we're talking about today because Jesus says, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, Jesus is saying, you need to prove it. Prove to the world that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And the Bible uses the same word in Romans chapter five, verse eight. God has proven that he loves us by allowing his son to die in our place. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's who God is, Even in your most unlovable moments, God loves you. It's in his nature. He loves you. He redeems you. He invites you into his family. Even when you're unlovable, even when you're rebellious, even when you're running away from him, he loves you. You might not always feel it, but it's biblically true. We have to understand what love really is. And Jesus showed us. He showed us through his own life. He was constantly stopping and loving the people that he came in contact with. And we're gonna spend the next several weeks here looking at some of these examples of how Jesus loved people. Even when there were people that seemed very difficult to love in the moment, right? Jesus loved them anyway. He loved the people that no one else loved. He loved the people who were rejected by the rest of society. He loved the people who were pushed out. The people we wouldn't want in our circle, the people we wouldn't want in our neighborhood. Jesus loved them faithfully because he is love, all right? Now that truth right there should be a defining factor of who we are. How many of you are on social media? A bunch of people, right? When Instagram first came out, I loved Instagram because it was just pictures of my friends, right? Now it's just garbage, like all the rest of them. But I love to go on people's Instagram profiles and read their bio, right? Instagram bios are interesting because they only give you 150 characters to tell everyone about you. And I love to see the things that people put there. It's hilarious, right? The reality is, we don't need 150 characters to define our lives. We just need three words. It's loved by God. You are loved. With that being said, how do you define yourself? What is your bio? Do you define yourself by your accomplishments? Do you define yourself by your past, by your failures, by your relationships? Do you define yourself by the initials that you earned in college? Do you define yourself by what you wear to work? The fundamental definition of our lives is loved by God. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. All right? Without understanding that, we can't move on. Two foundational, simple things you are loved, and the second one is this you can love. All right? You need to believe it, you need to accept it. You are loved by God, and you can love. Now, you might be thinking, okay. I believe the first one, I read the verses in scripture and I'm starting to believe that God loves me, but I don't know that I'm really capable of loving other people the way God does, all right? Here's the thing about Jesus' commandments. He never commands us to do things that we aren't capable of doing, all right? He doesn't force us to do things that we're not able to do. He doesn't unfairly give us the weight of a command that is completely impossible for us. Now, with that being said, he will give us a command that's impossible for us to do without him. But with him, with his spirit guiding us, with his redemption at work in our lives, with his power at work in our lives, we can do whatever it is that he commands us to do. So if Jesus commanded it, then we know it's possible because he enables us and empowers us to do his will, all right? So we need to believe today that we can love people, all right? This is possible. We have the potential to do this. Maybe you've made some pretty big mistakes in the past and you're thinking, maybe I'm just not good at love, right? Maybe I'm not capable of doing this. It's not true. You are loved and you can love, all right? And we need to believe these things Because we're going to get practical over the course of the next several weeks. We're going to talk about how we can love people in practical ways. We're going to get a really good picture of what loving one another looks like. God's word is going to pave the way for us. But before we get to the strategy, I need you to believe this. That when Jesus told us to love one another, he means that we can do it. You are loved and you can love. Our love for one another will prove to the world that we are disciples of Jesus. He gives us a new command that's possible for, for us to fulfill. All right. What did he do? Jesus took the complexity of the law, and he boiled it all down to this idea that we are loved and that we can love. You can do this You're capable of this. You can have relationships where you pour into other people without expecting anything in return. You can go find someone who's never experienced God's love in their life and love them the way he would. You can pray for moments and opportunities to love people. You can do it. Even those of you who are kind of grumpy, you can love people, all right? But we have to remind ourselves to be intentional about this, Every single day, we have to pray that prayer. God, help me to be more loving. Give me an opportunity today to love somebody. Give me an opportunity today to show love in a practical way. And I believe that that's a dangerous prayer to pray because when you start praying that prayer, God is going to give you opportunities to love people. Now, let me tell you, it's not gonna be easy going to be tough people are going to hurt you people are going to let you down people aren't always going to be there for you, they'll forget about you, they'll reject you, they'll push you away, they'll manipulate you, they'll take advantage of you they'll keep reverting back to their old ways, they'll keep reverting back to their addictions after you've shown them love it's not going to be easy we're going to come across some hateful people but we need to devote ourselves to loving God and loving them because we live in a world right now that has done a really good job of turning us all into monsters. We're angry, we're busy, we're more expressive than we've ever been. We live in a world where it's very difficult to love people, but at the end of the day, we have to set our differences aside and be obedient to Jesus. This isn't a matter of preference. It's a matter of obedience. You can do it. You can love people that are hard to love and God will be right there with you. He'll empower you. He'll equip you. He will carry you through and the world around us is going to be different because of it. When Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I don't think he intended for the focus to be on us. I think the focus should be on him. What he's really saying here is the world will understand what Jesus is like by watching you. No pressure, all right? We're representing Jesus Christ everywhere we go with our behavior, with the way we interact with people, with the way we carry ourselves. The world desperately needs Jesus. How well are we representing him? How well are we sharing his love? We have a great responsibility to show the world what Jesus is like by the way we love one another. All right, I don't want you to miss this. The harsh reality of this whole series is that the church hasn't been doing a very good job at this we've turned away from this and we've started to share the truth in very unloving ways. And we do this claiming to take a stand for Christ. Here's the truth. You're not taking a stand for Christ if you're doing it in an unloving way, period. You can't speak hatefully to or about other human beings and say, I'm standing up for Jesus, because you're not standing up for truth if you didn't love them first. Now, does that mean you can't ever get mad? No, don't hear what I'm not saying. There are things we should be mad about. There are things that we should stand for, but we need to make sure that we're standing on the basis of love. All right? So if you're gonna go around standing for Jesus, love people first. Let love be the basis of your relationship. And remember, you can do it. We make this a very complicated issue when in reality, it's a very simple command. When you leave here today and you go to lunch, you have an opportunity to love on someone who's waiting you, who's serving you. When you're in line at the grocery store like we all love to be, you have an opportunity to love the people that are in line with you. When you're living in an apartment or a house, you have people surrounding you that are excellent candidates for God's love. And you can love them regardless of where they came from. You can love them regardless of how they're dressed. You can do this because God loved you first. And he will never command you to do something that's impossible for you to do. But we have to settle the issue. You are loved and you can love. God loves you so much that he sent his only son to the world to die on the cross for your sins. And he left us with a new command. He said, love one another as I've loved you. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All right. It's not rocket science. So why don't we quit treating it like it is? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we thank you so much for your perfect love for us. We pray, God, that you would help us to understand the weight of your love. And we thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to the world to die for us, even while we were still sinners. We pray, God, that you would empower us to share your love with the world around us. We wanna follow your great commandment to love you and to love others. So help us, Father, to love others well. We pray, God, that you would place people in our paths that are difficult to love. We pray, God, that you would place people in our paths that need your love. Give us special opportunities to love people. Help us to love difficult people. Help us to love people who believe differently than we do. Help us to love people who think differently, who vote differently. Help us to love people that we have nothing at all in common with. God, we wanna be vessels of your perfect love everywhere we go. And we know, Father, that it won't be easy. So we pray that you'd help us when it gets difficult. And we trust, God, that we can love because of your perfect love at work in us. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you haven't experienced God's love for you. Maybe you feel like God doesn't love you. Maybe you feel like you're too far gone. Maybe you feel like he couldn't possibly love you after what you've done. I promise you that it's true, that he loves you because he is love. And he revealed his love for us in the message of the gospel. And I like to sum it up like this, that Jesus lived a perfect life that you and I could not live. We all fall short, we're all broken, we're sinful, we're imperfect. But Jesus came and he lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die because the wages of our sin is death. We were destined to pay the price, but Jesus stepped in and he took our place on the cross and he died the death that we deserve to die. He paid the penalty for our sin and he was buried, but he rose from the dead to give us new life. And the Bible says, if you call on his name, he will save you. He will restore you both now and one day an eternal, never-ending life in his presence. That's the truth of the gospel. And If that's you today and you just want to place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me today. Church, let's make this our prayer together this morning. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, Visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.